Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. And today we are going to be interviewing uh, Colin Parker, who is the director, writer, and producer of the upcoming short horror film called The Pleasure Matrix, being filmed right here in Chicago. It's about three friends who plan to rob a party but end up falling victims to a cult. So welcome, Colin. Thank you for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Yeah, honestly. Um, So first, we're going to start talking about how... How did you first become interested in film? Um, I think at a really early age, I knew I was going to do something art related. Um, I was always obsessed with uh, The Simpsons and like <laughs> skateboarding. Uh, so when I was watching this video a long time ago, 411 of Ed Templeton talking in his art gallery, I knew that he said something along the lines of when you're young, you have to make a decision on where you want to go because then for the rest of your life, every step will take you closer to that decision. So I think at a really, really young age, I just knew I wanted to do something art related. So I, I don't know if there was a specific moment that film became that thing. Even to this day, I'm very open to doing animation um, and different styles of art. But I just knew that art in some form had to be the thing. And w- going through college, I just found film to be my niche. That's great. Yeah. All three of us come from artistic backgrounds and uh, personally, Mindy and I do not work <laughs> full time uh, in we, the arts. In the arts, at the moment, which yeah. is kind of why we came up with the podcast um, yeah. to bring us closer to that. But yeah, we totally respect that, and that's great that you're going for it and trying to make a living doing what you love, because yeah. not a lot of people do that. No, no. Um, so basically, you just want to do something in the art world. It didn't have to be. It does not have to be film. And well, at first, now it has to be. Now it has to be. But I mean, I'll do animation. I still like am interested in that. But um, I think just the the medium itself is so interesting to me because it's a culmination of all the arts. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's music, it's theater, it's it's everything in one. Um, and when all those things combine to to make one coherent theme and style, that's what's the most exciting. And that that's I think the pinnacle of art. In yeah. My opinion, so, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you're a David Lynch fan, but we're huge David Lynch fans, and he's I mean he's like kind of my god. But yeah, I need to you know I I've only seen a couple. I've seen Eraserhead for sure. Okay. And then I saw a Blue Velvet. That's my favorite. I yeah. Need, oh, great. I'm sorry. And Bullhand Drive. I've seen that one, but um. Yeah, there's a couple that I haven't seen of his. I think. We can we can talk later and recommend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd probably loan you. <laughs> no, Great. Right? Yeah, sounds good. But that's like his films. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's like he started as a um, a painter mm-hmm. and wanted to like make moving paintings, and it, yeah, it combines like so many visual and it's also um, a- auditory and yeah. yeah, just everything in one. And so that's a great choice yeah he's like the master of surrealism in my opinion oh absolutely um just to to continue through that thread um i did a little online research before you came to our show to talk with us um and it sounded like you have some ties to some theater communities in Chicago a little bit. Um, yeah. I saw, I think, Stage 773 was listed somewhere. I think maybe on your website, or I don't remember where I saw that. But. Well, 773 I've been to a few times, but I haven't actually worked with them at all. Um, I think one of uh, my friends who's a performer performs there sometimes, so I've seen his show there. Um, but I've worked with IO before. Okay. So IO's the one theater that I have worked with. Um, Second City, I've gone to a lot of shows there, too. I know actors that have 
performances there. Um, but IO, I've actually there's a group called Generation Latinx. Oh. And I've shot some sketches for them and um, cool. collaborated with them. They're really fun. And IO is Improv Olympic, right. for those who don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's one in LA and in Chicago. Actually, my old roommate um, worked for both. She was a performer. Um, awesome. But uh, I mostly stage manage and produce for fringe theaters in Chicago. And I, I was just wondering, like, for any aspiring horror but any other kind of directors or comedians who might be listening like do you feel at all that like any sort like being involved in that performance aspect like how how does that shape your approach to creating a film or does it or because like Sharon mentioned you you know there are so many things involved you know not like sound lighting like but also like budget and all this but then you have to direct these actors right. and my jam is like pulling all the other stuff together but like yeah no i i think acting is the most important thing yeah. um 100% you can have bad lighting um not so much bad sound but if you have really good acting your your project's probably going to pull through yeah. and um i think finding these actors and and you know taking my time with casting is huge um i think casting is like 80 percent of a director's job almost you know what i mean it's just finding the people that get what you're trying to do and that are going to commit the amount of time to do it um and that are just they have the look you know too so i think casting and working with actors going to theater shows going to improv shows has just been huge for for me because um like i said i started with animation and just doing stuff in my like little study you know what i mean like i would just be working by myself all the time on art and then uh when i started going to school and i had to cast i started going to these theater shows and it was just like i just it was like it flooded my brain with possibilities, you know what I mean? Um, just seeing how much people can do with absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's pretty great. So. And did you go to school for film? Yeah. So I went uh, for, um, I originally started going for graphic design. I went to COD for graphic design. I went there for a year and I realized really quickly that I didn't want to do that. Um, I actually took a year off and worked uh, at a warehouse for a little while and then I got my stuff together, started working at Costco, uh, <laughs> and I was able to go back to school. So I went back to school and I started going for animation. Um, my professor there, Tony Venezia, taught at Cal Arts and taught wow. at Columbia. So he was just a great uh, professor to learn from. And I was originally going to transfer to Columbia uh, full time, but then I met more teachers at COD and they were professors at Columbia as well and they just had this wealth of knowledge and that was really what I was going to school for is to talk to them so I ended up staying at COD transferring to film um, and then yeah and besides um, the pleasure matrix have you made any other films yeah so my last year in school I made uh, fisheye which is a short film about a homeless veteran artist that finishes his masterpiece in this alleyway and as soon as he finishes it he dies and his soul starts to peer around the streets on all these different characters that are hustling bustling around eight different blocks of Chicago. Um, and then we end on this little girl who walks up to this homeless man who's dead on the on the ground, touches his painting, and the painting comes to life. Uh, um, hmm. So that's kind of the story. It's a very experimental story. A lot of the characters don't make sense when they talk to each other. They're quoting famous quotes or they're like saying what they think they should be saying. They're not actually listening. Um, and there's 12 different styles of animation. So it took about two years to 
to finish it. Wow. And is it available? Um, so the trailer is available if you go to Vimeo and look up Fisheye Trailer. Uh, we are submitting to festivals now, and we're hoping to get in one soon. Um, we just started about a week ago submitting. So. Well, good luck. I would be happy to donate, but I'm also <laughs> happy to give you my Dropbox on the way out if you for Great. like clip of I'm kidding but I will give money I this sounds fascinating I really (laughs) just want to see it honestly this sounds awesome yeah I'll show you a clip when we're done sweet thank you thank you so the pleasure matrix is a horror film um the uh fisheye yeah um that does not sound like a a horror film do you have any sort of preference about uh what type of movies you would like to make whether it be in like the horror genre or experimental film or Mm -hmm. as long as you're making art do you care um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have like a preference towards a genre. I think that Fisheye, it's not a horror film, but it does have some grittier tones where it deals with death, homelessness, um, loneliness. Uh, those those kind of things are what drew me to make that story, even though it's a very bright kind of musical story. Um, it's it's very it's got these dark undertones. And I think that's what I wanted to bring more to the forefront with this next project uh, is the dark undertones are a little bit more in your face. And the horror aspect of it makes you really kind of reckon with your humanity and like that fight or flight moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is what I'm really curious about. Movies like Requiem for a Dream, The Master, uh, Green Room, they all really inspired this movie. Um, because of the way they they deal with faith and addiction and humanity so okay and are you able to tell us a little bit more about the plot of the pleasure matrix other than what i mentioned earlier it's about uh grace vic and omar our three friends that are robbing a house in the beginning they find an invite to a party um and they went there to steal drugs but the drug stash they stole kind of ends up breaking and um they decide to go rob the party then to get what they need. And while they're there, they quickly find out that the party is being hosted by a cult <laughs> and they all kind of split up and go on their own adventures. So this is like a, a kids don't do, don't rob buildings kind of PSA. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, they're... It sounds interesting, and I feel like you want to tell us more, and I don't want you to because I don't want spoilers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, it's hard for me to resist telling spoilers because uh, the themes all come come together with the spoilers, you know. So, so do you have what are the underlying themes or messages that you're trying to get across with your film? Some of the underlying themes are, like I said, faith and addiction, and how those two kind of correlate. Um, like I said, Requiem for Dream, huge inspiration to me. Uh, when I was really young, one of the scariest things I ever saw, but it really made me reckon with the reality of the story mm-hmm. and how um, what drove those characters to continue down their path of self-destruction was this addiction to the idea that they'll be able to continue it without consequences. Um, and I think that drugs do that to people and almost anything can do that to people if they become addicted to it. Um, you can get... People can be addicted to faith um, and addicted to the way they see the world, you know. So I think that questioning those things is super vital to um, connecting with other people and living a fulfilled life. So. And did you come up with the concept for this film alone or did you collaborate with other artists on this movie? There was times where I collaborated with other professional writers where we were com- talking about working on the script together, but... Really, I just got mostly notes from people. Um, I worked a lot with my friend Andrew Cambrell and Matt Torres in the very early stages of the project, coming up with the concepts. 
we're always just we're just big movie fans. So we're always just spitballing about what we think would be a great movie. And this was something that I think we just said loosely in a garage. And then I was obsessed with it. You know, I wouldn't <laughs> let it go. <laughs> so then I wrote the whole thing. I t- it took me two years to write it. And I wrote 12 drafts. Wow. Ooh, so, okay. yeah, it took a little while. <laughs> so how long is the film? The film is going to be a about 26 minutes um it's 26 pages so 26 minutes is the average for a film like that but um i do want to keep the pacing slow i I like the slow burn i like to linger on shots and i know that's going to reflect in the editing table so that's kind of my jam i love that so i'm excited for this one too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you've already mentioned uh raccoon for a dream which is one of my all-time favorite movies um you mentioned the master i think green room are there any other films that inspired this film Hmm. Um, Midsommar was probably mm. a, a really big one that I mean it didn't inspire the writing of the film I wrote the film actually before it came out before I even knew about it and then when I saw it I was just like wow he did it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. you know like it's so good it's very different than me uh, like it's the Swedish theme and like all yeah. that is very very different we have discussed this film at length we're a big Ari Asher yeah. fans <laughs> yeah no I, I listened to your first episode oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like thank you yes of course thank you and also now you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no I was like that's why when before I came here I was like I'm gonna try to resist not talking about this movie the whole time <laughs> I've done so much research on this movie too. Just the amount of detail that he went into yeah. with everything is just insane. He's one of my favorite directors. So we still have to watch the director's cut. I though. know. I really want. Oh, it. really? Yeah. There's like full thirty minutes. Yeah, I know. Added to it. It's <laughs> awesome. I was going to order it from Amazon with Christmas money. I think I should get on that. <laughs> so, if you had to categorize the film, um, what type of horror movie is it? More of like a psychological horror, would you say? Yeah, psychological suspense. Okay. Kind of horror. And how? What is your process for going about and finding cast and crew? You mentioned that actors are like basically the most important part of of putting together a film because they're either going to make or break your film. How did you go about uh, casting? So Natalie, the star of the film, is somebody that I wanted to cast for a commercial I was shooting for United Fox Valley United Way. Um, and I wanted her to be the lead. And we talked and I auditioned her but our schedules didn't work out so I met her through that and then I saw her on stage for Generation Latinx and for this great show at Second City called Carne Asada Um, so I just knew she was an amazing performer and when I was looking for a lead cast again she reached out and I was just instantly like yes I don't even need to audition you let's just meet Mm -hmm. and talk (laughs) so that was that was really easy and really nice Um, great working with her Um, Gabby um, I casted her for a series of videos that I was doing at Bureau Gravity is where I, I my day job I work there um, I do some casting and we do a lot of video series for different clients she was just one of the actors that I met there and we've stayed in touch so I knew she would be great for this character and then Julio I met um, when I was at IO he was doing a cold read session where he would get a script and just act it right away and he just nailed it so I was like you're probably really really good actor let's just meet and talk and he was just you know he was so excited to be working on this project and he's so perfect for the character it was just like an instant yes too so it it took that's why it took like a long time for me to do the casting because it was just me going to theater shows and reaching out to people that I've worked with before um but yeah those are the three main characters and then um Chris I met on backstage. Uh, Chris is a really cool guy. He's a writer. He's a professional cameraman for skateboarding. Um, he's had like an interesting life and he just has this like great 
personality for a dramatic character and he's just been and even before i casted him as the cult leader he was working on a cult movie that fell through so he's like i've already prepared for this (laughs) and i was like great (laughs) i love it when a plan comes together (laughs) oh my gosh that's awesome i wanted to take a second and go back a little bit we were talking about inspirations for this film while i was uh online stalking you a bit um (laughs) i read a quote somewhere that um someone compared um, the, this new film coming out to Igmar Bergman. Yeah. And I was just wondering um, if you're a fan and would you agree with that comparison to your work or at least with this film? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Igmar Bergman. I, I am too, actually. To, to, to be honest, though, I, I have so much more to go into. He's made so many films. Me too. Have, Sharon was uh, like, not yeah. ten, not an, like four-hour talk about yeah. Igmar Bergman. But, <laughs> but I recently just saw Persona. And Are I, you kidding? I know. I, my dad recommended it to me years ago, and I just saw it, and I was like, wow. I was thinking about it when you were talking about your themes. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Persona was amazing. So, um, And I was listening to – there's a podcast, A24 podcast. Have you listened to that at all? There's um, Robert Eggers and Ari Aster both go on there, and the whole theme of the whole thing is Igmar Bergman. Shut up. They just talk about Igmar Bird movies the whole time. All right, I'm going to go, you guys. Uh, <laughs> so, wow, thank you for that. I yeah, so that was a really – that was another one that I was just like – and the whole um, – the term Bergman-esque is about <laughs> – you know, a character that is dealing with the turmoil of their existence. So I think that even before I knew about Egmar Bergman, that's what I wanted to make movies about. You know? That's his so, jam, for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, I just had to ask because I'm a huge fan myself. So. Sure. But yeah. we won't we won't linger, Sharon. <laughs> Another, we can later, we okay. can go off on a little uh, bit. Yeah, no, uh, just a little, yeah. a little go off. But um, have you seen Stalker or do you know about Andre Tarkovsky? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't can't. I remember if I saw Stalker, but I, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Stalker is one that I just recently saw, and I heard from that podcast. Um, they were they're very re- relatable in style, where it's very slow, long close-ups. So I thought that was really interesting, and I it, that is definitely I have an affinity for that. So I I, awesome. I hope that comes through in my films. <laughs> you might need to send us a list of your movie recommendations. <laughs> yeah, to. right. Yeah. Later, because I'm definitely not as well versed in. In the, I have not seen any Ing- Ingmar Bergman movies. Oh, my best, my friends. And I know. I, did I a, need to. I need to catch up. We did a Ber- Igmarathon marathon one time oh, wow. and made a smorgasbord like they eat because he's <laughs> yeah. Like my friend looked it up and actually made it. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to your your movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you go about scouting locations for the film? For the trailer, so we shot six pages out of 26 pages. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We have, we're going to start a crowdfunding campaign soon. So we've only done part of the pre-production for the film. Um, so for these locations that we, we did shoot in, one of them was an abandoned school in Gary, Indiana. Oh my gosh. And, um, I, I, Scary. I, yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I knew a friend that was there and they just took a lot of pictures and I, I asked them about it. They said they, they go there all the time and nobody really hassles them. So I was like, okay, that's interesting enough. And then I reached out to my DP and I was like, Hey, well, how do you feel about shooting in a place like this? <laughs> and he goes, I've shot there before. And he said, he said he shot a music video there. And I was just like, okay, so this is a thing. It's- did Michael Jackson go to school there? <laughs> I don't know. You should look that up. That's interesting. I have no idea. Did he go to school in Gary, Indiana? He's from Gary, Indiana. I did not know that. Yeah, he's born and raised there. <laughs> wow. So maybe he went to school there. That's wild. There's a lot of synchronicities, though, that lined up for this, it sounds like. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, that's what the time did all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like I just have the project in the back of my head all the time. And when I meet somebody or when I'm talking or working on something, I'm just always kind of looking for how can 
how can I use this again in the future? You know, um, I think as somebody that doesn't have a lot of money that wants to do art, you kind of mm-hmm. have to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And you're right. There is a lot that can be done if you have good writing and good actors. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for the other location, I actually have a locations guy, too. Um, my friend, Aaron, um, we worked together a long time ago on a web series and we just became instant friends. And he's worked on locations for big shows uh, that film in the city, like big network shows and mm-hmm. movies. Um, and so he has like that knowledge of what it takes to do locations there. So when I reached out to him about what I was working on, he was like, oh, I'll help you find a study that we can film in. And he found this great study that was actually in Indiana. So we were able to get an Airbnb out there and like film the, the two days back to back, one at the school and one at the study. So That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah it sounds like this you is didn't, meant to be. You didn't <laughs> rush through it, you know, like you didn't half-ass it. Like right. everything, like it came together and just when paying. it needed to. Yeah. And I off. always... Hmm? It sounds like it's paying off. Yeah. And totally. we've talked a lot about synchronicities on the show and just in daily life, we talk about it. And I, I feel like when you have a synchronicity in your life, that is like a sign guiding you that you're on the right track. Right. So... So the movie is being made by Space Cave Productions. This is your production company? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I kind of started it when I graduated school, just kind of put a name on the commercials that I was doing and the short film that I did. Um, I had another short film that I was working on school that was under it, but that one kind of never happened. It was just a loose one. (laughs) But yeah, so Space Cave's been around for a little while, but it's just been uh, mostly me. Uh, My friend Dan DeLeon has contributed a good amount of money and time and just thought into uh, Space Cave as well. He's backed me on almost every project I've done. So he's been a big part of it too. So what do you think has been the most important lesson that you've learned um, as a filmmaker so far making making short films and how did that lesson happen? It's that's that's a hard one because <laughs> it's it's just it's like every day I'm learning something new. So it's it, it's one lesson. I mean, the one lesson that I guess kind of clicked when I was in school uh, was planning. And, um, you know, take like I said, taking my time with these things is when I as artists, we want to just do it and go and like make it. And, you know, like we have this really intense passion. So to be able to pause that think and then go back to it is a skill that i i've mm-hmm. developed so i'd say that's probably the most vital okay i feel like that's kind of a common problem happening in general these days is folks seem to all everyone i talk to is like rushing to get stuff done and it's like strategy is a thing and you should use it and yeah. come up with it so exactly. and clearly it worked for you so that's an excellent example Thanks. so what what are the biggest challenges that you face as a filmmaker? Is it like financial challenges? Is it? Well, but financial. A hundred percent financial. Yeah. Because you're, you're not independently wealthy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, financial, um, you know, spreading the word mm-hmm. on what we're trying to do uh, beyond my group of friends and my direct network is a huge struggle. I think that um, my approach with creating the trailer is that, it's the proof is going to be in the pudding. It's not going to be like I'm willing to do a little sponsor me video where I just talk to the camera. But if I can show somebody this is what the film is going to look like, then Mm. I I think I can bring a lot more notice to it and uh, get a lot more people excited about it, which will help us fund it. And that means I can pay the artists that are, you know, contributing their time and their talent into this. So that's that's my biggest struggle right now is to make sure that everybody that's a part of the project gets the value that they're putting into it. 
And do you have any sort of estimated release date for the film or does that just depend on funding right now? We plan to have the final film done by July, August, late July. Wow. Um, yeah. That's fast. I mean, considering all the work yeah, going yeah. into it. So we're going to be crowdfunding for 60 <laughs> days. Um, and then once we have the funds, we're going to pre- do pre-production for about a month and shoot. It only take about five days, four or five days to shoot the whole thing. And then a couple months of editing. So, yeah. So now um, on to some more fun questions. Um, so what do you do to be inspired? Is it just watching movies? Do you meditate, draw, paint? I love music. I love uh, skateboarding, um, watching movies. Yeah, obviously, I, I'm a movie fanatic. Me and my roommates watch literally everything. I make them watch weird stuff. They make me watch bad stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> it all works out. <laughs> it all works out, you know. I, and I can I can pull as much out of a bad movie that I can out of a good movie because you you pick apart what's wrong with it. So I just I just love studying film. Um, I think it's one of the greatest art forms uh, ever. So I think I mean and skateboarding was a big one that started me on this path too because like it started with me and my buddies and just a camera and we were just like wandering the streets and we doing weird stuff and then we'd film it and then we'd go back to the room and edit it and it was just that that whole process was so exciting and I didn't even click that I could like get into something like this you know uh-huh. what I mean so um yeah I think that that's the kind of stuff that really inspired me when I was younger and I still try to go back and skateboard every once in a while now um I'm a big bike rider. I, you know, do exercise in different ways. But just be careful. Don't break anything because that's going to hinder your film career. That's true. I know, that's and true. we like your ideas, so no. we want you to keep going. I sound like your mom right now. But... Also, we're being extremely selfish. So, I mean, we no, do care about good. your well-being, but idea. please keep it. Yeah. Do you ever get creative blocks? Um, I mean, I think if you're getting a creative block, you're probably trying really too hard. You know what I mean? I feel like for me. I, that was like th- for this project, I never let myself have a creative block because I would just pause. You know what I mean? Mm. There was nobody there was nobody on me to be like, you have to get this done. You know what I mean? It's just me. So it's I mean, in the especially in the early stages. So I, I think those creative blocks kind of fell at the wayside when I just realized that I have time, you know, um, for something like this. I'm not going to rush it uh, there, there. I mean, I, when I work at I work at Bureau of Gravity and I'm working on video projects all the time and when I'm coming up with edits I'm yeah I hit, I hit creative blocks and the way I power through those is just music or or going on to a different problem and coming back you know um, those are the the best ways that I've been able to solve that I like that <laughs> <laughs> I was like are you looking for my approval or what no <laughs> I, just, I, I, I like that response that you know if you have a creative block you're probably trying too hard because i yeah if i feel like i i do that i know yeah i feel like i get um a lot of creative blocks sometimes and i just i'm like what's wrong with me like why can't i you know like like i said we all do our own like art things and i just haven't really found a way to deal with that other than like taking time off yeah exactly and then something will just inspire me right so but I guess I just never like thought of it in that way. Like I thought, like I don't know, like I'm just not a creative person. So no, that's not true. I'm gonna stop being creative, and then I have an idea. And it's like, yeah, the way you phrased it made me think about it. Like, oh, and this sounds like I mean, your films, that. your films are clearly passion projects that you are all in for. So a, it's lovely that you have the time and can take the time to get it right because right. that's half the battle. But I could see how for your films, you're in it. So you're just going. 
going. But mm-hmm. like I do that at work because I help build websites and I'll sometimes just like be obsessing over like where to put the uh, like a JPEG. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah. calm down. So, yeah, there's a huge difference that freedom is really lovely and it's totally. a gift kind of because then it, you can stop and take a breath. And mm-hmm. yeah. So who are some of your favorite filmmakers? I know you've mentioned a few already. Darren Aronofsky, Ari Aster, for sure. Kubrick, the god. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big one. Um, I I do really like I Fincher was a, ba- a big yeah. one for me, for sure. Um, Richard Linklater. Um, that's a that's another big one. Um, yeah, I think those are the, the, the main We'll get you just add Lynch to that. Yeah, yeah. No, I like I said, I need to you know dive back more into some Lynch. Uh, that's check he's one out, of the greats. So check out Wild at Heart. That's Wild like Heart. one of my I Blue Velvet's my favorite, but yeah. Wild at Heart, like we it's um something. we saw it on the big screen actually at a a festival in LA. That I would love. Two years two, ago. Two now? falls ago. Ugh, and God, I can't um. Believe it. Seeing it on the big screen with an audience, it's it's such a fucked up movie and there's some hardcore violence. But when you're in an audience watching it, you realize how funny that movie actually is because <laughs> everyone was just laughing their asses off the yeah. entire time. If you watch it alone in your room, like in your living room you by yourself, yeah. you, you're going to. Yeah, it was just like a, a totally different experience watching it with an audience. But. I would love for you to watch that and then let me know what you think. Yeah, no, I would love that. And I don't remember, I think you had mentioned at some point, or maybe I read this somewhere about like the juxtaposition between like beauty and ugly, like with Requiem for a Dream Mm. or like Darren Aronofsky does that a lot. And Bergman obviously does that kind of thing a lot. And that's what David Lynch, that's what drew me to David Mm -hmm. Lynch. He like puts that microscope up to what seems like normal, like beautiful hometown America, Blue Velvet. And then it's just horrifying but the two together is like this really complex without darkness there is no light that's right baby yeah so do you have any actors or actresses that you would love to work with someday i mean i mean there's great great actors that i love like and that i think are like some of the i mean walking phoenix uh that's he's killing it right now um he's always killed it yeah yeah um (laughs) There was Daniel Day Lewis, probably one of the greatest actors. Uh, Didn't he retire? I don't know. I, actually, I mean, Phantom Thread came out, and I think that might have been his last film. Actually, you're right. But he, he did, did say that. Wow. I, mm-hmm. It might have been. I'm not 100. percent um, Who else? Uh, I mean, there's so many dead that I would love to work with too, like Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> oh, for real? <laughs> I but, know. I mean, for me, it's like I don't. That's not really something that I even think about. It's for me, it's like all about the story, and I love finding new actors. Like, for example, Midsommar, yeah. Danny is probably one of the greatest female actors in my mind right now. Like, amazing. Yeah. Her performance was incredible, yeah, and I had no idea who she was. Amazing. So yeah, acting like that is just it almost excites me more to find actors that aren't well known. You know, and bring them to the forefront. Good point. Yeah. So that's that's more exciting to me. Good, good point. And and this is gonna be a really tough question. Uh, can you narrow down your top three favorite movies of all time? Um, wow, that is a hard. If you question. have to get to like five or six, I will. <laughs> oh man, man, I don't think I could answer that question. No, yeah, it's it's just so hard. I I literally take like so long to come up with that list. Sometimes, like I can definitely do my top of this year. Like I've I thought about that a lot. That's really easy for of- me. 
of 20 or 2019 yeah 2019 okay. that would be a, i mean well for for that uh yeah yeah let's Midsom- hear it midsommar mm-hmm. parasite mm-hmm. lighthouse um haven't seen that one yet i haven't awesome. but i've heard about you've it you've seen the witch though yeah and uh, robert eggers uh, uh yeah it, to me, it's even better. It's just amazing, and it's the acting is so phenomenal. I think personally, the Lighthouse is much more on my alley. I like the whole H.P. Lovecraft kind of like mm-hmm. big octopus weird scariness, you know, like that just whole style and the way they take that era and just kind of make you feel claustrophobic with these guys in this lighthouse. Yet it's like not boring, you know. It's amazing. It's like and really I love Willem Dafoe. So yeah. like anything he's, he's in, yeah. and he's in Wild at Heart. And he yeah, plays, he is. Oh. he is like one of the most disgusting characters of all time. But in he's that so movie. Great. That great. But he's so great. Okay. And Nick Cage is in it. Like, oh my God, and it's, and it's my favorite Nick Cage movie ever. Well, it's oh, really? my, second to Moonstruck. It's my favorite Nick Cage <laughs> movie. Funny. But like, yeah, he's. I mean, Excellent. if we're like, I put Nick Cage in two categories, like his bad movies that are great and his good movies that are great. Like, you know what I mean? This like Vampire's Kiss or like Adaptation. Those are like my two. Like, you We know. just talked about yep. Vampire's Kiss in the episode we recorded before we interviewed you. Oh, so. wow. I, I was just saying Synchronicity. that I, I feel yeah. like as he's getting older, Nick Cage is sort of starting to really embrace his crazy cage. Yeah. Because like we were Mandy. talking about like Mom, Mom and, Dad, and Dad and Mandy, which I still haven't Wait, seen. I don't, I don't know what Mom and Dad is. Oh. You, you should watch that. It's it's okay. <laughs> amazing. It's him and Sel- Selma Blair, which I was like, that's a pairing. And they're fantastic together. And I told her, to, I like made, I begged her to watch it. And then finally she was like, okay, I it's love a horror this. movie. When's it from? Sort of. Yeah, it's a horror movie. 2015? Okay, maybe, so maybe? pretty. I pretty saw recent. it on Hulu or Shudder, I think. It's, it's basically 2017. 2017. Awesome. It's a basically um, kind of a twist on the whole like children killing parents parents killing their children oh but it's dark humor and crazy cage and i just enjoyed the fuck out of it and then she was like i finally watched it and oh my god that was so good so <laughs> that sounds fun totally so recommend fun. it yeah yeah so uh parasite did you guys see yes. that at all? she did i have not spencer and i we just watched that uh yeah last week mm-hmm. yeah that was that was something yeah <laughs> that's one of my favorites of the year just because it's um it's not off the walls filmmaking it's just really well crafted and it's very traditional um in its like approach but it's such a it's such an interesting story and the acting is so good it's the like acting's really good <laughs> yeah. and it's funny yeah. and it's kind of heartbreaking yeah. and it's yeah it's definitely unique i've never seen anything like that exactly i'll have to look back on what you said about it in our other episode because we didn't talk i've never talked oh about you didn't it talk about show. it i thought we'd all right yeah. well joker i would say midsummer joker yeah for sure i joker blew me away yeah same. like i was not expecting it to be what it was and honestly i don't really understand all the controversy behind it because i think it's really just I think they did such a good job portraying just like day by day, second by second, just seeing this guy mentally break down. And you can almost see exactly when he snaps. And then there's the point where he actually snaps. And it's just Joaquin Phoenix is just I mean, I already loved him and river phoenix and yeah, yeah. Their, their whole family is like uber talented but Super like and yeah like back to the controversy behind it it's actually like it's silly because taxi driver and the king of comedy basically that movie you know what i mean they're like yeah. very similar um his whole inspiration for making it is based on the movies of martin scorsese so mm-hmm. to say that this movie is doing something that is like dangerous is silly because those movies already exist yeah so, i don't like, think it's empowering 
white men with guns anymore than yeah. like right any more than action news. movies are or yeah or the news yeah, yeah. you know any all right so back <laughs> getting back again getting yeah. back on track <laughs> what do you think what is it that makes a film great for you are there certain qualities that you think makes a film better than others it's to me it's the culmination of all the different art forms into one coherent theme and style that's what makes film so amazing to me. That's what makes it better than in any other art form to me, just because it's it takes all these art forms and it unifies them to, to kind of create a message, not shove one down your throat or to even, you know, I mean, creating a message. I don't even know if I'm using the right words there. It's more just like creating a theme and creating a feeling. Um, so I think that's the the best thing a film can do is make you relate to it and question something about your own existence that you didn't know was there mm -hmm. yes. which is yeah that's Cre creating a feeling for sure that's why requiem for a dream right that stuck with me yeah. from like the second i saw it to this day like i can still remember how i felt yeah the oh, first yeah. time i saw it and yeah. it was just that's why it's one of my favorite movies. I have issues with Aronofsky, which I won't talk about now because that'll be another two hours. But <laughs> I, I mean, I've only seen Requiem once and I was like, that's enough for me because of that reason. And I, as you were just talking about what makes a movie good to you, I was thinking about The Three Colors, the um, mm. Kieslowski. Red, white, and blue. Yeah, red, white, and blue. Christoph. Uh, Kieslowski, a Pol Polish director, we were both Polish. Interesting. I um, did three movies. Um, two are in France, in France, and and the middle one set in Poland. But the first one, Blue, is about it. Juliette Binoche uh, plays a woman who loses her husband and daughter in a car wreck, and you, I, without saying too much, it using camera angles, lingering shots, soundtrack, definitely you are her you feel her pain so raw hmm. that like and to me i was like that's amazing and brilliant and beautiful and that's what the one of the issues i have with requiem for a dream is that i'm like oh god i'm horrified yeah, yeah. like i don't want to be that person and i tend to like movies that are a little polarizing you know like there people feel strongly about them that's what's important to me it's not not like that it's universal appeal like oh, even yeah. even um pie what he made before. I, I actually think that's one of his best. Yeah, I love that movie too. I think I saw it before I saw Requiem and I was obsessed with it. Um, I think over the years I've, I've kind of turned more towards Requiem because I feel like the craft is maybe a little bit more refined. But mm. the story and the theme of Pi were just like mind-blowing. His style, the way he, his style is, is perfect for like the story basically. Yeah. And yeah. you just know it's him right away when yeah. you watch it too. It's kind of cool. And Mother actually just watched last night. I still have to see that. I haven't either. Oh, I, I still oh, I totally have to see it's, it. it's, it's, That's one of those movies, like, again, it's very polarizing. Not yeah. everyone's going to like this movie, but for me, it's like I want boring. to see it. I just, I, I feel like his movies, you have to be in the right mood. Yes. True. So I, I just have not been in the mood to watch it, but like I'm starting to get there again. Maybe it's like the winter blues or something. Like that. <laughs> so watch a crazy, possibly depressing movie that's whack job. <laughs> Hey, I mean... it's what we do. <laughs> um, so do you think any that film... Let me start over. <laughs> so do you think that filmmakers have any responsibility to culture? Um, for instance, Joker. You know, a lot of sure. controversy over is this movie going to incite 
people to go out and start shooting people. Do you, right. do you think that it's the filmmaker's job to be responsible for the messages that they're putting out with their film? Or do you think it's more on the viewer and how they should interpret it? And also, you know, nature having having a little self-control. Yeah, sure. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, no, I think it's actually really interesting because, um, I mean, I there are the things that excite me about film that make me want to do it. But as for, I... I would never want to tell an artist that you're you can't make that yeah i mean that's and and it's actually ironic almost to the point where people that some of the people that make like the most hardcore stuff are really good people like david lynch and then there are people that make really lovely stuff that are actually terrible people (laughs) you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so so saying that like that you can you have to make something that's going to make people better people is is really arrogant to me and because it's you don't know what you're going to make until you make it. And like, and it's coming out of you. So, you know, you have to find these parts and even the parts that are dark and that are bad or real, you're exposing that. And then maybe that'll help somebody realize that that exists in them and then they can change that, you know? So it's not about, I I don't believe in the whole idea of that. Like if you put something positive into the world, it's going to create more positivity guaranteed. That's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes you have to reflect on the negative. So. Or vice versa, that you put something negative. If you make a movie yeah. that has negative um, connotations or shows violence or whatever, that it's going to put more violence into the world. Right. And yeah, I agree. I don't think it's the filmmaker's responsibility to basically monitor or try to babysit the people that are going to view their films. and I agree too. I I would say that there are films that I dislike because I don't agree with their themes and I think that they promote a negative lifestyle. I think that's absolutely true. But I believe those people have the right to make that stuff. Agreed. And um, I can talk all the shit I want about it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. They can make it, but we can trash it. Which is your right. (laughs) And what is the best advice that you can give someone who's new to filmmaking? Um... (laughs) guess never get discouraged um i think that's the only thing that's kind of helped me is um is like despite you know not having the funds to do this project or not having like all the resources or time that i really need you just find a way you know um and that that resilience is the is i think vital to anybody that's going to be successful in this field is just having that ultimate and you know sticking to your word being being true to your word um you can you can really want something but if you don't network and really you know do what you say you're gonna do then it's all gonna fall apart yeah all right i like it are we ready are we gonna do this so yeah so this is our slasher round (laughs) it's kind of like a lightning round but we're calling it our slasher round it's just gonna be a couple uh fun questions that we're just gonna throw at you and off the top of your head, yeah. But you just know. try and come up with an answer. No okay. pressure. It's just <laughs> we do that. It's just for fun that we do this with everybody we interview. And now we're like, let's not call it a lightning round. That's boring. So we're working out. We're yeah. workshopping titles for this. But there are wrong answers. <laughs> oh, no. uh, right. So you should be nervous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, so uh, let's get this one out of the way. Uh, does the plot of your new film come from personal experience? How old were you when you joined your first cult? <laughs> uh, no, you know, I don't know. It definitely doesn't come from personal experience per se. I think it's like uh, there there are things about it that were like 
you know, joining a group or being a freelancer or being a, like, yeah. a, being, you know, being independent versus joining a group of people. Those were things that I've dealt with and that really inspired the film, but I never really had a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what was your first horror film and how old were you when you watched it? Oh, man. That's hard. I, I want to say either The Shining or, I mean, does Pi count as a horror film? Mm. I don't even know. No, right? I don't know what that counts as. Because that's one of my earliest like memories of a film, too. I mean, The Shining is probably my most vivid memory as a kid. I, you know, I saw It, but I blocked that out. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like Like the original, the miniseries? Yeah, yeah, I was like terrified of that. Tim Curry is amazing, yeah, but yeah. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess those were like the earliest ones. It, it didn't inspire me. I ran away from it. So. <laughs> but, but Kubrick for sure did, so. It does not hold up, I can say. I was also yeah. terrified as a kid when I watched that. Yeah. And then I watched it like two years ago. And I was like, this isn't very scary. <laughs> Although, because we, we talked about the new one in one of our episodes. And I was like, well, but to be fair, the book is kind of like that, where it's like, scary, scary, scary. Oh, it's a giant spider. Like, it's yeah. just kind of weird. It's a little and, silly. Yeah. That's, but... that's kind of King style, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Since we touched on this earlier, which Bergman film, aside from Persona, would you say kind of matches the tone of your film? Um, I was sort of leaning a little bit towards like Winter's Light or maybe Fanny and Alexander even in terms of like the ideas of like identity and struggle. But I don't know. So do you besides Persona? Yeah. So well, when you say besides Persona, I don't know because I feel like I have so much Bergman to get into too. I haven't watched He's enough Bergman. Lot. I love I love what I've seen, um, and I love studying his work. But I, to be honest, I haven't watched enough to really you know, pick a good one. Well, Persona is a good one if Persona's you're going to pick any. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Awesome. What is your favorite horror movie of all time? Oh man. I mean, oh, that's so hard. Hereditary <laughs> is so up there. It's like, oh man, if, if it's not number one, it's, I mean, Midsommar, I think of less as a horror movie than Hereditary. Hereditary is like a classical good horror movie. Um, Green Room is also kind of one that is just like sticks out in my mind. I mean, I think of a lot. Of, I, I, I'm at the forefront of my mind is most recent stuff, um, but there's some classical stuff that I, I really do love. Like, I don't know. I guess. Are you into like the '70s and '80s genre movies, like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and? Um, Halloween, like the original Halloween and, I and stuff like that. I did watch all those, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that those really inspired me as much as um, like Stanley Kubrick's take on horror or um, what else? I mean, Hereditary. Seven. Seven is a really good one mm. that I, I think of like as a horror. It's like a cop detective movie, but it's horrific. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the, what interests me about the genre is how kind of loose it is because how scary thrillers can be and how scary mysteries can be. You know what I mean? It's like to say something that's a horror is almost hard nowadays because everything is so intense, you know? It's so, true. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely the, the psychological horror is kind of becoming like the new Norm. standard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say. If you, I know you mentioned Hereditary, which I 
freaking love that movie. But if you could pick one horror movie of, say, the last 10 years or so that you loved so much that you wished you'd made it, what would that be and why? Midsommar. Okay. <laughs> I was like... 100%. <laughs> just because, like, I, I've thought about that movie so many times, and then he just did it perfectly. So it was like... I mean, it's very different than what I'm doing now. It's still the cult themes, and, like, the the kids kind of showing up to a party is, like, similar, but it's it's very different. Um, I think Midsommar is... It's just a great take on that whole concept of the Swedish cult. You know, yeah, it's just yeah, so yeah. interesting and it's just so well told. So. And that actress is so freaking good. Exactly. She's so yeah. good. Yeah. All right. This is the last question. This is Sharon's staple question for like people she meets on the street. Okay. Yeah. This I started asking people this question when I was um, bartending like <laughs> over 10 years ago, you know, and my bosses would be like go talk to your customers. And I'm like, <laughs> basically, they just wanted to like flirt with customers. <laughs> and I would just, that wasn't me. So I would just- This is your way of flirting. I would just, yeah, this is my way of flirting. I would just go up to like random guys and be like, who's your favorite serial killer? <laughs> so, so, oh, um, so who's your favorite serial killer? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's usually the it's look I one. would get to. <laughs> it's a hard one. We, and we like to- like specify like we don't mean like favorite like you have this poster on your wall but like interesting or fascinating yeah, yeah. fascinating to you the most I guess Charlie Manson I mean but he never killed I anyone know. Well, but like does do we count him do, I don't know do we count him a lot of people do I know. Yeah. a lot of people do that's what I'm wondering if do he, we count so him that's he, why he's interesting he's though, a you know? cult it's leader because you like he... cult leaders yeah I think that's alright so I'm gonna change the question who's your favorite cult leader and oh. I guess the answer is Charlie Manson well no not that I mean oh shit that's hard too um I Jim mean, Jones? <laughs> Jim Jones is super interesting. I mean, Aleister Crowley is probably oh, man. one yeah. of the most interesting cult leaders, like the most wicked man in the world. You know, like I, I think when I found out about him, I was both terrified and unable to stop my intrigue on just figuring out who this person was uh, and how they existed. He's know? linked to Twin Peaks season I was three, just, by the way. Really? I was just going to say, when you get to the point where you're able to, there's actually a loud po last podcast on the left uh, podcast episode where they talk about it and I had no idea I've been watching Twin Peaks since it aired back well, in the day. Well it's in the book. It's it in is the in the book. history of Twin Peaks. But like it blew me away when I put the pieces together too so just keep, when you get to that point where you're ready for that deep dive yeah, you yeah. might enjoy it even and more. Just like him L. Ron Hubbard are like oh, together yeah. like just the fact those two even like met and like hung out is so bizarre to me. <laughs> Interestingly enough, we also talked a lot about Scientology in the episode we recorded right before we talked to you. So wow. unintentionally too, which is weird. Yeah, That's so funny. <laughs> we're so they're so waiting for us outside. I know. And I was like, because we were talking about them, and I was like, they're gonna jack. Tom us Cruise is in a car outside waiting to. <laughs> Knock us both out. Like yeah. Mission Impossible style. They say he could like single-handedly stop the whole thing, you know? Like he's like that powerful now in the, in the religion. We kind of said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're fearful. No, I'm kidding. Right. We love you, Tom Cruise. So be careful when you leave the studio. No. no. You are great in Magnolia. <laughs> so no no favorite serial killer that's coming to mind? You're going to get Charlie Manson? Or yeah. even though technically he might have only killed like one person. I mean, I do, I do really like that show, um, Mine Hunters. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're deep diving on like all these different serial codes. I just don't know any of their names. I mean, I just, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. <laughs> That's okay. Not everyone loves, is, is, or I shouldn't say loves, but like is, is fascinated by serial right. killers as I am. So <laughs> that's just kind of something I ask people. And yeah, most people have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> I, I always think of, because uh, my friend 
uh, my roommate, his uncle was a plumber and he changed Jeffrey Dahmer's like <gasps> water plumbing. No. Shut <laughs> up. Wait, your friend's uncle? Yeah, something like that. Can like, he I, come on the show and talk to us? <laughs> he said he was in the basement too. Like, Shut <laughs> I know, up. right? Can you imagine? So he actually met Dahmer? I guess he went down there, fixed his plumbing and left. <laughs> Oh just, my god! I, I don't want to know what caused the plumbing problem. <laughs> <laughs> For many reasons. Oh wow, that's crazy! Oh my yeah. god. Well, that's all right. Well, we'll on that note. On that note, um, so I heard that you are, um, you're doing an Indiegogo to. Uh, raise some funds for your film. Do you want to give us some details about that? Sure. Actually, we recently just switched it from Indiegogo to Seed and Spark. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on crowdfunding and Seed and Spark seems like a much better platform that's actually interactive with you and it has a higher success rate. How do you spell that? I've never heard that. Seed and Spark. Oh, Seed and Spark. Yeah. Okay. Spencerpedia is looking it up. Okay. <laughs> so um, I recently just made that. Um, we're going to launch that on the 18th. We're going to launch that with our first trailer that's going to be 30 seconds long. Um, and then we're going to have another minute trailer trailer that's coming next month and then um, we're going to have two full scenes from the movie that we're going to try to give in February as well. So those are all that's all cannon fodder for the crowdfunding campaign but we're going to be running it for 60 days. We're gonna, I'm going to have three events. Uh, the first one is in Chicago at a talent agency called Dream Team Talent on the 18th and we're going to be I'm going to be showing some short films that like inspired me that I really like um, some one of them's from my professor uh, that he made that I just thought was really interesting. I wanted to show and one of like just a bunch of different ones. I'm going to be making a bunch of tacos and selling beers. So it should be sold. Fun. <laughs> yeah, please come. We, yeah, no, we plan on coming. Great. Um, it's already in my calendar. <laughs> awesome. And then, yeah, so we're trying to get a good turnout for that. I know that we're we're aiming for a really high number. We're trying to get 20,000. Um, so it's really ambitious. But I think that with all the content that we're bringing and with the events that we're planning, I think that it's a, a doable goal. Okay. And it's really what we need to make sure that everything just gets done properly. And we'll have, we'll include like the links and everything. Yeah. But is the information about that on your website or where should people go if they want to get involved or donate or? Right. So the Seed and Spark on the 18th, I'm going to be posting it everywhere. So from the Facebook to uh, the website, which is space-cave.com. Space we can repost too, actually, his stuff mm -hmm. then. Yeah, Great. try and help spread the word. Yeah, I would love that. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I know we're going to have an event on February that in February that's going to be a little bit bigger. I have some bands that are going to play. Um, my friend Keith is a rapper. He goes by Fonzie. My friend um, Zach has a band called Revolt Coda that actually has a pretty big following in Chicago. That's really fun. I like the name. So yeah, that's going to be really interesting once we have that going on. Um, hopefully we can raise some money through that and we'll be showing the trailer the two scenes that we have are both very different too they're from very different parts of the movie so it'll give a really good taste of like what we're going for here so awesome all right and um, so on Facebook, would they go to the Pleasure Matrix or would they go to your production site? No, yeah. You, so you, on Facebook, you can go to the Pleasure Matrix um, or you can look up the PM short film. Um, on We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, we're posting like almost every day. So you should right. be able to see us. Um, so I also want to thank my friend Tom for he's the one that introduced me yeah. to you. Um, and he also has a podcast called What's Going Down in Downtown J-Town, J-Town being Juliet, Illinois. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And I know he also interviewed you. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to listen to his interview with you because I didn't want to be like influenced or anything. So I'll listen to your interview with him after ours is already like 
edited and um in the world yeah in the world um but if you're into local music scenes, you should check out what's going down in downtown J-Town. They're spreading the word about the transformation of Juliet. They interview local musicians, artists, and business owners. Each episode usually features two songs with an interview in between each song uh, by the artist or band. Tom himself is also a musician, so he knows his shit. So please check them out. And I'm going to. I haven't heard. I haven't listened to that podcast. Well, yeah. Subscribe. I will. Yeah. Um. So we just want to thank you for coming on the show. Um. It was awesome. And honestly, like I know you have a meeting to get to, but it's totally fine. <laughs> but well, if like uh, we could literally talk about shit all day long with you know between the rotoscoping that Spencer's into and yeah. all the other movies that yeah. Oh. Persona is B.B. Anderson speaking nonstop for like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'd love to come back on again. This was yeah. a lot of fun. We would love to have Absolutely. you. Yeah. You're yeah. seriously welcome at any time. Great. This was so great. We are, Thank you so very much for taking the right. time. Absolutely my pleasure. This is really fun, and um, I love your show. So yeah. Oh, thank fun. you. Yeah, no, seriously. All right, so that was an amazing interview. Yes, it was. And um, we just want to finish off by saying, uh, once again, we just want to thank everyone who does listen to the podcast and supports us. And we would really appreciate if anyone who likes us and listens to us can take the time to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform that you listen to us on. Um, Like we've said in the past, this does help our show grow uh helps us get more listeners and because we really love doing this we just want to keep growing and maybe do this full-time one day who knows who knows but at the very least we enjoy this so please go and rate and review our show when you have the time also remember please keep sending us your ghost stories scary stories uh let us know any other topics that you would like us to cover in future episodes. We really like mixing things up and doing interviews or having Spencer quizzes on different trivia topics. <laughs> or get dr- getting drunk. <laughs> or, or just getting drunk on air. <laughs> um, talking about horror movies uh, or true crime. And we plan on doing some, some more true crime episodes. But if there's something specific that you would like us to discuss, please let us know. And you can always email us at horrorstalkhorror at gmail.com and follow us on all our social media pages and as always thanks Thanks for for getting getting creepy with us. us